Will you turn with me, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Tonight we're on the subject, signs that a nation is under God's judgment. After our initial uh, scripture reading, we will go somewhere else and most of our evening will be spent there in another portion of scripture. And I want to show you how even in one chapter, and we haven't time to even cover it all, but in one chapter talks about our nation, talks about the state of the nation, and talks about where we are in our nation, and you'll see that, God willing, this evening. First Corinthians chapter 10, we'll read the first 11 verses, please. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant, how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. Speaking of, obviously, the Red Sea, Israel going through it. And were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples, to the intent that we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed, and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now, all these things happened unto them for samples, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Let's just read the 12th verse. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth, Take heed, lest he fall. Let us pray. Father, we thank you again this evening for your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for his full and finished work on Calvary's tree. We thank you, Lord Jesus, when you cried, It is finished, our debt was paid in its totality. We thank you, Lord, those of us who are trusting in all that you have done and all that you have accomplished. Lord, are saved, we're secure, and we are sealed unto the day of redemption by thy blessed Spirit. Father, this evening we ask you as we go through these things that you would help us to behold the days in which we live, that you'd help us to behold Lord, the things that are happening in the world, but in our nation itself. Lord, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts opened, and spirits to be teachable, that we may receive the engrafted word, that word which is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, that word which is able to save the soul. 
Glorify the Son of God. Glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, apply the blood to this house and this people. And apply the blood of the Lamb afresh to each and every one of us. We pray your blessing upon all who are here. We pray your blessing upon all who are watching. Live or later. We ask you, God, that you would give them their portion. But Lord, stir up your church. Stir up your people to serve thee with gladness, but to serve you in sincerity and in fullness that we might run after thee. Give us a hunger after you. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. And give us a deeper thirst tonight, Lord, for the things of God. And help us, Lord, to walk with thee. And, oh God, we just mentioned tonight, we mention again the darting of thy bosom, your beloved Son. May he alone be seen and exalted. For Jesus' name's sake we pray. Amen. Signs that a nation is under God's judgment. How do we know if a nation or nations, but a nation is under God's judgment or not? Uh, to the natural man, the natural woman, they might just look at it. Well, it's a matter of circumstance which is happening. Some think it is, it is evolution of man and how society is continuing on and to them, it is growing better. But the further it grows, as according to man, the further away it gets from God. And the Lord has warned and given us examples and ensamples as to when it, the Lord is judging a nation. What happens? What's it like? How do we know? Well, tonight, God willing, we will look at these things. Notice here in our reading in verse 6. Now these things were our examples. Underline that word. To the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And then Paul tells us they were idolaters. He mentions from Deuteronomy chapter 30, pardon me, Exodus chapter 32, we we were on it last week, how the people uh, formed the golden calf. Aaron took their earrings and so on. And, and Paul mentions that. So these people, he says, are Israelites. Then if we go down to verse 11, he says, Now all these things happened unto them for ensamples. Notice the change in the word ensample. Example is in verse 6. Ensample is in verse 11. And they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. And then the warning is, wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall, him or her, the person who thinks they stand in their own might and strength and will, you'll fall. We must stand in the strength of Christ. Notice this. First of all, this word, example. In verse 6, now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. 
And then the word end samples in verse 11. Now all these things happened unto them for end samples. And they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world has come. What is the difference between an example and an end sample? And you know, it's very difficult to work it out, even in the English rendering. Yet the Greek word is exactly the same. But when those who translated this from the scriptures uh, or from, from the original text here into the English, they were right in these two different words. They were right, these King James translators, and what they had written. So the example is that it, it can be something which is, if you want, inanimate, inanimate. In other words, this is inanimate, a happening is not a, a person or a, a someone who has reason. And end sample comes to the person, the individual. Speaks of reason. So one speaks of a happening or a thing that we should learn from as a nation. The other one is to an individual and to people that we should have a change in life, a change in our very spirit. The difference in these is even hard to tell and theologians would even argue over these. That's it in a sort of a nutshell that we must remember that the nation is made of people. And you are one of that nation. We together make up part of the nation. So it's an end sample to our hearts that we should be different even if that nation isn't. That we should learn from it. So examples and in samples is the word two posts. Tupos, and it comes from the root word tupto, and it means to strike, to strike or to beat. And hence, tupos means to leave a mark from a stroke or a blow. To leave a mark from a stroke or a blow. It means to mark and leave a print or an impression. A print or an impression. And what Paul is telling us here is that which happened, which ancient Israel did, and how they were wrong before God. They rose up to eat the play, the golden calf as we looked at. And how Israel, they lusted after other things. He's telling us as a people, even as a nation, he's saying, don't follow the example of what they have done. Don't be an idolater. Don't allow idolatry into your life. Don't allow it into your home. And don't allow it into the church into the nation. And hence Paul is telling us these things. This, the exact same word is what happened to them left a mark. The blow of the judgment of God left a mark. And hence the word poop talks is mentioned here. Notice here also, let me give you an example. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 17 the Apostle Paul uses the word again, tupos. And it means, he says, Brethren, be ye followers of, together of me, and mark them which walk so as for us, for an ensample. The word ensample is the exact same word. And what he's saying is, if I have left a mark in you as how to walk with Christ, if my life, if my witness if my testimony and others like me, he says, has left a good mark, a good witness for Christ, 
Let that, this is the personal sense, change your life. Change your life. In other words, if you see me walking and following hard after God, walking after his word, he says then, that's a good example. It is an example, but for you personally, it must speak to your character. It must speak to your person. It must speak into your soul and into your heart. And this is what Paul is saying. Brethren, be ye followers together of me and mark them which walk so as for us an example. Let the lives that you see Christ is changed. Let them change your life. Change your life. So when you go to John chapter 20 and in verse 25, we have Thomas who missed the Lord's appearance to the disciples. John chapter 20 and verse 25, doubting Thomas as he is known. And he says, except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Thomas says, I want to put my finger in where the nails went in. I want to put my hand into a side where the spear went in, or I won't believe. And the word here, print, except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails. Notice the word print twice is the exact same word, tupos. It means there is an impression, the impression of the wounds in the hands of Christ. The nail prints in the hands of the master. The nail prints in the hands of the Savior. And hence we should see those as it were by reading the word of God and believing in our heart that the nail prints in the hands of the master should make a difference in our lives. Knowing that Christ has died for us. Knowing that Christ has went to the cross for us. Knowing that Christ has shed his precious blood for us. Knowing that these these marks in his hands are the only man-made things in heaven. The wounds in the hands of Christ. So for as much as the print of the nails in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ reminds us of his great sacrifice on Calvary's cross, And as much as Paul and others who have been saved by grace and who have led lives worthy to emulate, so also we must look to the past and the national life of ancient Israel and their failures and see how God dealt with them and take it as a mark, an example for our nation and an ensample for how we should live our lives. Although this is a a national message, let us not forget some points here. First of all, a nation, as I said, is made up of many individuals, and you and I are part of that. So hence, we must make sure that we personally, personally are saved, saved by grace through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, A nation may come under judgment. 
But the individual, the Christ rejecter, will come under the wrath of God's righteous justice. And it's eternal. It's an eternal punishment. So make the difference here. Yes, God has removed empires. The empires of the book of Daniel. The empire of of Egypt fell. Of the Assyrians and of the Babylonians and of the Medo-Persians and of the Grecian Empire and of the Roman Empire. Even the British Empire has crumbled and fallen, has become a commonwealth. And, and God, when a nation, an empire turns away or does not know God, they do not last long. Some nations and empires God used for the chastisement of Israel and he discarded them afterwards. So let us remember that nations in judgment God allows or either he deals out judgment in order to try to bring the nation back into line with him. And when it doesn't, then he discards it. He disperses it. Look at Israel. He splits it into two kingdoms. First Kings 12. Still they went wrong. And then he dispersed them through the nations. So stay with me. Thirdly, a nation may fall far from God and his law and his word, but the church, that's you and I, the church must be the standard according to God's word for the nation. The church must be the spiritual guide, the moral compass, the salt and the light in the midst of the nation And if we lose the salt and the light, then wherewith shall our nation be salted? And who will shine the light in the darkness? No matter what way the nation goes, no matter what we are saying, no matter the way it's being run and the laws that are being passed, no matter what, church, we must always be ready to take the stand according to God's word that we must never allow the world into the church to the sense where then we are no different where sin is in the church and there's things that are happening in the church where we we don't call things out anymore and we don't preach the blood and the book and we we stop mentioning sin and and heaven and hell and these sort of things because it's an easy seeker-sensitive gospel to, to help people's ears must never allow that. We must always stay true to the gospel of saving grace in Christ and the word of God. The nation may fall far from God, but the church must be the voice of God to the nation. And even if it falls upon dead spirits and deafened ears, that is the gospel. Even if you're laboring, you're witnessing, you're testifying, you're working for the kingdom of God, and it falls on dead spirits, of men and women and deafened ears, the church must be the body of Christ on earth. We must keep reaching and we must keep preaching. In other words, as the body of Christ on earth, your hands are his hands. Your feet are his feet. Your mouth is his mouth and your mind should be his mind. And your will should be swallowed up by his will. Our example as a nation and how to do and how not to do is found here, even in 1 Corinthians 10. Our example is Christ to the body of the church. And 
Our example has been the forefathers of faith and how they walked with Christ in an evil and ungodly world and nation, and yet they took their stand. They, they always took their stand. They died for their faith. They died for Christ. They died for the glory that, that Christ has crowned in his covenant, and, and they stayed strong, whether it be to the, the, the lions of, of the Colosseums or whether it be to the burning of, 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 of the, the saints at Smithfield. They stayed strong in their faith. They pressed on despite a darkened world. They took their stand, and our example must come from them. Their faith is our impression, their courage, and our mark, the scripture and history. All of it we must stand for. Listen to Psalm 32 and verse 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. In other words, Britain was blessed when they adhered to the word of God. Revivals came. The word of God was printed and sent around the world from here. Missionaries sent out around the globe. And blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And an Indian prince once asked Queen Victoria, what is England, the secret of England's greatness? And handing him the King James Bible, there's a beautiful big portrait you can see of it. She hands him and says, this is the secret of England's greatness. The word of God. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. In Proverbs 14 and verse 34, it says, Righteousness exalteth the nation. When we live right, when we do right, when we had our preachers almost in every corner, a, a church with its doors open all the time, when we had the gospel ringing out around the country, when we had even our laws adhered to that were according to the law of God, righteousness exalted our nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And we came under reproach when these things started to wane. So what defines a nation? What defines a nation? The Oxford Languages Dictionary, it says this, A nation is a large body of people, notice, united by common descent, history, culture, or language, inhabiting a particular country or territory. Here's five points to define a nation for you. A nation is people, land, law, common religion, and culture. Now, if you take those away, a nation starts to fall. If you start to wear at them, the nation starts to crumble and to weaken in the very identity it has become, especially in the gospel. I mean, we have today what's known as cancel culture. Cancel culture. If you speak out against the mainstream, if you speak out against the, that which is the, 
go with the flow. If you speak out, there's been people who are even, if you want, in the worldly sense, famous, and they have realized there's something not right the way their nation is going, and they have spoken out, and they have been canceled completely. You don't see them anymore. Actors have done it in different ones, and they have been canceled out. Preachers have been canceled out. Not allowed anymore. Sure, it was just a few weeks ago that we realized that the Disney Enterprises or Disney Incorporate had taken our very services offline from around the world. We were being canceled. So the cancel culture is if we don't go with the flow and do what all the world is doing, church, then we can be canceled. Look, they may cancel us from online. They may cancel us from social media. But they can never cancel us from being the church of Jesus Christ. Now we have the cancel culture. And it starts to cancel out those things that are against that which is going with the flow. In other words, when a nation and its, and its country and its government start to lay down the laws that are against God's law, and so the, the communist Marxist ideology that rises up in the midst of all of this, and we say, no, for this is an ungodly way, this is an ungodly law, this is a wrong law. What they do is then they, they shut us up, they shut us down, they, they cancel us out. A cancel a culture. We now have revisionism of history. Revisionism of history. Where then they look back at a nation's history and they start to change it. And they start to take it away where they, what they'll do is they, they'll pull down that which has been a memorial unto someone who has done great feats in a nation. They will tear down the statues, as it were. I'm not a big fan of statues anyway, but nevertheless, it's the heart behind it. They revise the history. They want you to forget it, and then they replace it with something else. They replace it with different people who didn't even live in our land at the time. So we have the revisionism of history. And then we have the infiltration, the infiltration and apostasy of the church. What they do is our children are brought up in the gospel and in the Sunday schools and in the youth meetings and the children's meetings and, and suddenly then they, they go to university. And university teaches them everything that Christ is against. They infiltrate our children's minds in the programs that they watch. They infiltrate the church by bringing in ecumenism. That ecumenical worship seems good because, well, is that not nice to do so? And so they infiltrate the church with it. And then we get soft, soaping sermons. The pat on the back sermons all the time. We get the eisegesis, not the exegesis of the sermon. That is, we read into it what we want to see in it and not what the sermon speaks, or the Word of God, sorry, speaks to us. 
And hence we have it. And when you speak against it again, even in church, you're canceled. Preachers who used to do circuit preaching are no longer wanted anymore. Churches have said to others that I've spoken to in the past that if they come, they're not to speak on the, the blood of Christ. They're not to say that Christ is exclusively the Son of God and exclusively the Savior and the Redeemer. This is in Northern Ireland. These men have told me this. Now we have the law redefined to suit the lawless. Those who are, if you want, the rich and powerful can take young women and they can molest them and rape them and ruin their lives and get away with it because they're rich and powerful. That's the world we're living in. That's the nation we're living in. The law is to suit the lawless. And that which used to be against the law is now out in the mainstream and is made lawful. In the nation, we have our common culture giving way to multiculturalism, while that which was always deemed biblical has become bile to everyone else, and that which was uh, reverenced and respected has now become a derision and it is disrespected. That people hate the Word of God mentioned to them, and rather than respect the Word of God and even respect the preacher and the bringer of the Word of God, now these people, I'm talking about the the five-eighths, as it were, of society, because they have been infiltrated and programmed with the socialist Marxist movement in the land. Now they hate God's word. They hate the preacher of the word. They hate the thought of a man called Jesus. Listen to Chris Hedges, a journalist. He was a Presbyterian minister. He says, we now live in a nation where doctors destroy health. Lawyers destroy justice. Universities destroy knowledge. Governments destroy freedom. The press destroys information. Religion destroys morals. And our banks destroys the economy. Would you turn with me, please, to Deuteronomy chapter 28? That's partly, just in the nutshell, the state of our nation. Now let us look at when God... Judges a nation. Deuteronomy chapter 28, please. We can't read the whole chapter because there's far too many verses. It's 68 verses in this chapter. But let's read a a few and we'll make mention and maybe you can mark down and look at more when you go home, God willing, or when you get a chance. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1. And shall come to pass... If thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe all, to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. Now, we're to learn from this, remember. And all these blessings shall come upon thee and overtake thee. 
Talk about the blessings of commerce, of, of substance, of, of, of all these things. He says, they'll even overtake you. There'll not be enough windows to, that you'll be able to bring it in, as it were, enough barn houses to fill it. And all these blessings shall, shall come on thee and overtake thee if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Blessed shalt thou be in the city, and blessed shalt thou be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body, and the fruit of thy ground, and the fruit of thy cattle, the increase of thy kine, and the flocks of thy sheep. Blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. Blessed shalt thou be when thou comest in, and blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face, and they shall come out against thee one way and flee before thee seven ways. The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses and in all that thou settest thine hand unto. He shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. The Lord shall establish thee in holy people unto himself as he hath sworn unto thee. If thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways and all the people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord and, and they shall be afraid of thee. The Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods, the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy cattle and the fruit of the ground and the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers to give thee. And the Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure, the heaven to give the rain into thy land in this season and bless all the work of thine hands and thou shalt lend unto many nations and thou shalt not borrow. And the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail and thou shalt be above only, and thou shalt not be beneath. If that thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day to observe and to do, and thou shalt not go aside from any of the words which I command thee this day, to do, to do the, to the, to the right hand or to the left, to go after other gods, to serve them. Notice the blessing that overtakes the nation when they adhere to the commandments of the Lord. So here we have a national blessing. And just for time's sake, please, let your eye run down to verse 12. The Lord shall open unto thee as good treasure, the heaven to give the rain unto thy land in a season. You know something? We're talking today uh, or yesterday that eight counties, I think it is, in England are under drought. They're calling it a drought. More they're expecting to add to it. Do you ever think maybe if they turn to the Lord that the Lord might rain down where the drought has begun? And in fact, they're saying the place is full of dust. Full of dust. Let your eye run down to verse 24 of the chapter, if you will. And the Lord shall make the rain of thy land powder and dust. From heaven shall it come down upon thee until thou be destroyed. And he wondered when we look at the United States and they have dust bowls now and Australia and the forest fires and those types of things that they wonder why the ground is so dry and why there is such a barrenness in the land and where the rain fell, now there's been no rainfall, there's a drought and there's nothing but dust. And the Lord says, you, uh, you America... 
You were founded as uh, the kingdom of God on earth in the sense when the pilgrim fathers went over, uh, they claimed the land and it would be a new Jerusalem. That was their words. And this place was to be built on the word of God. And now we see it in the United Kingdom. We see it in parts of southern England where again it's went the same. Where our laws have been uh, built on the foundation of the law of God. They have moved away from it and changed the laws of God or the laws that were, were founded on the law of God and they have flipped them over and made them the laws of man. And the rain has not fallen, especially around London, Kent, and down around the south there where uh, the very hub of the, 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 the main city, the capital is. Think about these things, brothers and sisters. Maybe the world is right if it be not that God has shut up the heavens. Maybe the world is right, it's just climate change. I believe God is the God who sends the rain. And he's the God who sends forth the winds. And he's the God who promises the seasons in the due time. And here even we see that these things are coming upon our own land. So we have national blessing in our reading there from Deuteronomy chapter 28. The Lord will bless thee. The blessing will overcome thee. Verse 14 is the warning though. Verse 14 says, And thou shalt not go aside from any of the words which I command thee this day to, to the right hand or to the left or to go, after other, to go after other gods and to serve them. Notice God stops talking about the blessing and says, here, if you want this blessing, you don't go after other gods. We looked at it last week, didn't we? The bull, the bull ring. The idols that are up and down. The heathen temples that are all over the land. Too many months ago, they actually closed off part of the footway of, I think it was Tower Bridge, if my memory serves me right, that some Islamic preachers could go up and do a call to prayer up the River Thames on loudspeakers. Heathen voices to a heathen God. So in Deuteronomy 28, verses 15 to 68, we won't read it, we'll read a few of them. Then if you do walk away from my commandments, and if you do as a nation, if you do worship other gods, notice Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 3, then we'll jump back and forward here for time's sake. It says here in Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 3, Blessed shalt thou be in the city, and blessed shalt thou be in the field. Let your eye run down to verse 16, please. Then if you do go after other gods, let's read verse 15 for just to, to get the, te- the context. But it shall come to pass if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to do all his commandments and the statutes which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. The curses will overtake you. Now, I don't know about you. I, I want the blessings to overtake, not the cursing to overtake our nation. Notice, first of all, in verse 3, blessed shalt thou be in the city, blessed shalt thou be in the field. Look at verse 16 now. 
Cursed shalt thou be in the city, and cursed shalt thou be in the field. The city speaks of financial. The city speaks of the financial capital. The city speaks here where commerce is mainly generated. The city speaks here of of where people are mostly joined house to house, if you want. Compacted in. And he says, do you want it blessed or do you want it cursed? Do you know half of London now? Half of London, they say, are no longer indigenous, but full of people with other gods. Half of the population of London. Notice what the Lord says, cursed shalt thou be in the city. The strange thing about this is, brothers and sisters, is if you go to these big cities, there's no go areas in them. If you go to these cities, you'll find the, the, the poverty is rife in them. If you go to these cities, there's children being stabbed to death in the street. Little children being stabbed to death in the street. If you go to these cities, you'll find the drug abuse is rife. Belfast itself, I think it's six, maybe seven this year alone, has been found dead on the streets of Belfast taking drugs. Cursed shall you be in the city. The violence in the city. The robberies in the city. The Lord says, if you go for my commandments then, you'll be cursed in the cities. And you'll be cursed even in the field, the agricultural pursuits. Do you know the Bible tells you how to farm a field? Who knew that? How to farm a field? Either one portion of the field in seven or one field to be left every seven years. And the problem is that the fields were so farmed that many of them, the, the nutrients were no longer in it. So you need they, the, the big pharma and all those companies say, let's make vitamins and minerals. We'll make a fortune. The Lord says, take one and seven and let it rest that the minerals will be in the ground and the plants will take it and eat those good plants. Don't put on it all these pesticides and the things that they put on it. For Is it any wonder that our nation has rising cancer? God even tells us which is a good meat to eat and which isn't for our bodies. Notice this, brothers and sisters, there's a, uh, the, the agricultural pursuits, he says, will be blessed in verse 3 but in verse, uh, and in verse 4. But in verse 16, cursed shalt thou be in the field. And here's the thing. In the United States alone, between Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos, they have bought up over one million acres of farmland. Between them, over one million acres of farmland in the United States. The communists of China have come up. 
come in now. And they have bought up nearly every national park. And the Lord says, you'll be cursed and you won't own it. I'm blessing you with it. But if you want, keep my word. Then he says, your basket and your stores and so on, there'll be commercial blessing. And in verse 17, he says, cursed shall thy basket and thy store be. In other words, your, your, your shops will start to close. And our government, greedy and godless, our government being so greedy and godless in, in Westminster and down the Doyle in Dublin and wherever else they're from, in the United States and Canada and so on, these world elitists being so greedy and godless have wrecked the economy in the cities and now they're wrecking the economy in the field. They're taking it for themselves. You see, they want to be able to say, we'll give you, but we will control you. The Lord says, the curse will be on you if you walk away and worship other gods. In verse 7, if you look at verse 7, and the Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face, they shall come out against thee one way and flee before thee seven ways. And yet, when we look at verse 49... says, the Lord shall bring a nation against thee from far, from the end of the earth, as swift as an eagle flieth, a nation whose tongue thou shalt not understand, a nation of fierce countenance, which shall not regard the person of the old or show favor to the young, and he shall eat the fruit of thy cattle and the fruit of thy land, and I shall be destroyed, which also shall not leave thee corn or wine or oil or increase of thy kind or flocks or of thy sheep until he hath destroyed thee. Here the Lord says, I'll bless you but where no one will be able to invade. None will invade you. And you'll be blessed in your city. The violence won't be there. Children won't be murdered. There'll be no crime there. There'll be no murders there. You'll be blessed in your field. You will farm it and you will reap plenty of goodness from it. And when the enemies of of your nation come towards you. They'll come one way, but they'll flee seven ways. But if you walk away from my laws, then the Lord is saying here, they will come and they will take over your land. They will take over your schools. They will take over your areas. They'll they'll take over. They'll eat off you. They'll take from you. They'll feed off you until you're destroyed. You tell me something and you ask yourself in your heart, are these things not happening in our nation? I must move quickly. In Deuteronomy 28 and verse 43. Verse 43, please. The stranger that is within thee shall get up above thee very high and thou shalt come down very low. Christian, think about this. There are those who come in and you're nothing at times but a racist. 
or a bigot or hateful because you preach the gospel because you don't go with their agenda or you're a a phobic of one sort, shape, size or form or another because you love the word of God because you stand for the word of God you're a you're either a Islamophobe or a homophobe or a something phobe. They've got up high above us. Now many are afraid to speak. Afraid to open their mouth. They'll end up on uh, the latest radio chat shows or whatever they call them. They'll end up in the newspapers and they'll be having reporters around their doors for simply breathing out the name of Jesus. Verse 44, he shall lend to thee and thou shalt not lend to him. He shall be the head and thou shalt be the tail. What a difference here. What a difference. Can you see the Prime Minister going with his begging bowl to Saudi Arabia. That's what he done. Going with his begging bowl to the central banks. That's what he done. That's what they do. Do you know that the United Kingdom is trillion pounds in debt. 2.59 trillion pounds in debt. Do you know what the interest is in that alone? The interest is 5,000 pounds per second. Think about this. 5,000, 10,000, 15. 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50,000 already. In fact, if you work that out for a day, do you know how much it works out in a day? 435 million of interest a day. That's what the United Kingdom's in. Barring borrowing of the central banks. And they just keep printing off money as if, here, sure, keep going. And suddenly you'll be like Germany with a Deutsche Mark where you have a, a wheelbarrow full of, full of pounds. You're going, to the, you're going to the shop for a pint of milk or a loaf of bread with a wheelbarrow full of notes. That's what they do. Hence they will take, and they want to digitalize everything where You see, your money is not your money. Your money is their money, but they'll let you have some. It's the curse. And then in verse 12 and 13, if you'll just look at it again, please. The Lord shall open unto thee the good treasure of heaven, of the heaven, to give thee rain in the land in the season and to bless all the work of thine hand and thou shalt lend unto many nations and thou shalt not borrow. 
Britain is in the greatest of debt. You know, it's only a few years ago that Britain finished the debt for the Second World War. Just a few years ago. While there is no sickness in the blessings of Deuteronomy chapter 28, there is plenty of cursings. Verse 21, notice what it says for health ways. Verse 21, the Lord shall make the pestilence cleave unto thee until he hath consumed thee from off the land whither thou goest to possess it. The word pestilence here is the word deber, D-E-B-E-R, and it means, gives the idea, and I've looked this up and I've searched this here already. It means a pandemic. A pandemic occurrence of sickness that causes widespread death. It sticks and it clings until it consumes. It's the curse of it. In verse 22, we have consumption. The Lord shall smite thee with the consumption, with the fever, and with an inflammation, and with an extreme burning, and with the sword, and with blasting, with mildew, and they shall pursue thee until thou perish. Notice the consumption, fever, inflammation, and extreme burning. These are all sicknesses, and we can go through them one by one. We haven't time. I'm going to go through one or one or two with you. But, but listen to this. In, in, in verse 27, verse 27, please, it says, The Lord shall smite thee with the botch of Egypt and with emeroids and with a scab, with the niche thereof, where thou canst not be healed. In other words, the word emeroid, most people think it's hemorrhoids, which it, it probably is, but it goes further than that. It gives the idea of lymphoid abscesses in the groin. The, skits, the scab and the itch are dermatological ailments. Is it, is it me or is it recently when we hear of like of monkeypox? Is it me or is it like recently when we hear of diseases that were, that were, were no longer in the land have now come back into the land? Things that we had eradicated out years ago. We're now hearing tuberculosis is back in again apparently. Verse 28 says, The Lord shall smite thee with madness and blindness and astonishment of heart. Notice here, madness, it gives the idea of the irrational state of not having a right or or erratic behavior. How erratic can you get? How erratic has our world been? How erratic has our, our, our nation been? And even how erratic has the church has been recently when, you know, it used to be if you walked into a shopping center and you weren't wearing a mask, everybody was running six ways. It was like they were running seven ways from you. And division came in and hatred came in and even violence at times. I was threatened with violence. I was threatened down in a car park after church one Sunday. Lloyd was there, called all the names of the day. Big guy was going to get out and beat me up for having church. 
And a minister went and reported me four times on a Sunday as he waited in a shop or waited on a queue to go into the Marks and Spencers. We're worshipping. He's looking in the windows and goes to report me to the police. Four times. And the cops came out. Thankfully they've done that through the windows. And they looked. So what did we do? We put big scriptures in the windows that height. Right the whole way along. Who remembers that? You remember that? We got the big scriptures. I went, no, we'll do it. We'll give them something to look at. So we got big printed scriptures this height. And we'll put them across all the windows. Give them something to look at. Brothers and sisters, is this not the sign of since God is judging a nation of Israel? Is he not judging ours again tonight? Blindness, astonishment of heart, it means a state or a condition of not being able to see what is happening. How many people couldn't see what's happening? How many people are blind in our land and they can't see what's going on? They can't see what these people are doing. They can't see what they're, what they're pushing on the people, what they're putting on the people. And churches have been afraid. Listen, I was talking to someone Thursday or Friday, whenever it was, Alison. Thursday. We were talking to someone. And, they, and I know this pastor well, and I didn't know what I'm going to tell you. I was shocked. He said, and these people said, oh, our pastor only opens on a Sunday morning. Still, won't open on a Sunday night. And has an online prayer meeting just to keep everything right. Still, can they not see what's going on? Do they not understand what's happening? Do they not see that God is saying there's a judgment here? We should get together for worship. We should be on our knees praying. Crying unto the Lord, claiming the merit of the blood, and preaching to a lost and dying generation. It implies a state of confusion used especially of spiritual and religious blindness. Used figuratively of horses being blind. For example, in Zechariah 12 and 4, it says, In that day, saith the Lord, I will smite every horse with astonishment and his rider with madness, and I will open mine eyes upon the house of Judah and will smite every horse of the people with blindness. Gives the idea of a rider on his horse and suddenly everything goes black. The horse can't see where it's running. The horse can't go right into battle. The horse is tripping, the horse is falling, and his rider is no different, for he's now blind as well. It's like both are running into the darkness, and they can't see. And here the Lord is saying, I will give the same blindness to the people, especially in the church. Especially. Wake up, church. Wake up, church. I'm going to have to close this soon. Stay with me for a few moments. Listen, talking about this confusion, verse 29 
says, and thou shalt grope at noonday as a blind gropeth in darkness, and thou shalt not prosper in thy ways, and thou shalt only be, and shalt be only oppressed and spoiled evermore, and no man shall save thee. No man shall save thee. And what do we do? What does our nation do? It worries about the European Union. It worries about NATO. It worries about the United Nations. Rather than turning to God. Rather than calling a day of prayer and fasting. Rather than all the churches saying, we must get on our knees before God and cry for mercy. What about the Queen calling a day of prayer for the Church of England? The Archbishop of Canterbury? It's not going to happen. Do you know where Daddy called a day of prayer when the, uh, the, 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 the men were on the beaches of Normandy? And they had no way of getting the little boats over to get them back across the channel. He called the day of a national day of prayer. And as they all went to pray, you can see the photographs. I've taught this before. And they're lying with people. I don't even know if these people are saved, but they went to pray anyway. God stilled the sea like a pond. And God sent a storm between the Germans and the American British troops. The wee boats went over and brought them back. And and what is wrong with that happening again? Listen to Luke 21. Talk about confusion. The Lord Jesus Christ is speaking. He says in verse 25, And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity. The sea and the waves roaring. Men's hearts filling them for fear and looking after those things which are coming upon the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken and then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to come come to pass, then look up. Lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. What he's telling us here. See when all this confusion and blindness is happening. He says, don't be worried. Don't be afraid. Listen, church, you should never be afraid. You know me throughout the whole time of this. I kept preaching. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Keep looking up. Because when these things begin to come to pass, then lift up your head and look up. For your redemption's drawn nigh. The king is coming. Jesus is coming. But he uses a word there in verse 25. Pardon me. Yeah, verse 25. And upon the earth, the stress of nations with perplexity. The word perplexity is the word aporia. Aporia. And do you know what it means? No way out. The Lord said to Jeremiah, mean, no man shall save thee. No man shall save thee. You'll have no way out. Oh, and they're going to have their meetings and they go and try and do this and they're building their little empires of kingdoms and they're trying to bring in a new world order and a, 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 a one world government of, of religion and faith and a, a one world government of, of, of financial uh, uh, banking system and a world, one world government of a governmental body. And they're trying to bring it all in. But you know what it says in the book of Daniel? It says there's a stone that's been cut out without hands. And it says it's coming to smash the whole lot. <laughs> that's what it says. 
And these things begin to come to pass. They're in perplexity. They're in perplexity. In fact, the French word for cul-de-sac is the closest word that we could use for this. You mean you drive into a cul-de-sac and you thought you could maybe drive through it and you go, oh, I'll get out of here. There's no way out. That's what it means. The world leaders have no way out. Listen, the world leaders are only puppets for the elitists anyway. That's all they are. Can you give me another 10 minutes? We worry for 10 more minutes. Listen to this. Isaiah chapter 3. Would you turn to it, please? And I'll get a drink. Isaiah 3. Isaiah 3, verse 1. <clears throat> for behold, the Lord, the Lord of hosts, doth take away from Jerusalem and from Judah and stay in the staff and the whole stay of bread and the whole stay of water. Notice he's starting to strip Judah, the southern nation, the southern kingdom of Israel away. Uh, he's stripping it away and he's saying, look to me. He's calling them, you see. You need to look to me. The mighty man and the man of war, the judge and the prophet and the prudent and the ancient and the captain of 50 and the honorable man and the counselor and the cunning artificer and the eloquent orator. And I will give children to be their princes and babes to rule over them. And the people shall be oppressed every one by another and every one by his neighbor. The child shall behave himself proudly against the ancient and the base against the honorable. When God is judging a nation, he takes away the excellency of leadership. He takes away the excellency of the nation, the wise and the experienced. And instead, the nation is run by inexperienced, untested novices, self-entitled brats, unproven and full of pride. And their arrogance is in opposition to those who went before them. And that's what you're getting today. You're getting young upstarts coming up who know nothing of life. Upstarts coming up thinking that their future has been ruined by the older people. Are you talking about the older people who fought for freedom and liberty against the Nazis? Those older people ruined your future. Talking about start, they, we're going to start a revolution. They couldn't start a lawnmower, half of them. <laughs> that one, Greta Thunberg. You know what? That. <laughs> what are you just laughing at? <laughs> Do you know that? I believe that wee girl's just being abused. Yeah. She's just a child, she's being pushed out there. Look at those who are coming up where uh, they are soft soapers. They are, they are liberalists. They, they are cardice. They, they, uh, they, they're snowflakes. Untested and untried. But yet they join the groups like Antifa and so forth, thinking they're warriors and champions of the people. And yet they, they know nothing. And the Lord says, I'll take away the men and the women who stood and built the foundations of this nation. And I'll give you young people who will try and run you and you'll be destroyed. That's happening. 
That's in our land. That's happening. That's happening down south. It's happening here. England, Scotland, and Wales. It's happening in the United States and Canada and Australia. New Zealand, we could go on South Africa. Across other nations, it's happening because it's a world agenda. Verse 9, here's one for you. Verse 9. The show of their countenance doth witness against them, and they declare their sin as Sodom. They hide it not, woe unto their soul, for they have rewarded evil unto themselves. Notice, sin, ungodliness, and evil is out on period. Barefaced. And now equality is not equality, but equality is when they take the upper hand and they become the head and you're the tail. The Lord says it's in their face, it's in their countenance, you can see it. I promise you I'm nearly finished. Chronicles 36, please. Second Chronicles 36. I feel I'm here and I just want to take that few extra minutes just to finish this. There's so much of this. Signs that God is judging a nation. These are the curses that God told us in Genesis, or Deuteronomy 28. Second Chronicles 36, verse 14, please. Verse 14, moreover all the chief of the priests and the people transgressed very much after all the abominations of the heathen and polluted the house of the Lord which he had hallowed in Jerusalem and the Lord God of their fathers sent to them by his messengers rising up at times and sending because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. Notice, but they mocked his messengers. They mocked the messengers of God They're speaking about the religious establishment. They mock. They're mocked by the religious establishment. See those people up there in that tent? See those people up there in that marquee? See that upstart that's come here in the Guilford area? Yes, they've told me to get out. I'm talking about so called Protestants. Ministers, not wanted. I'm not going anywhere anyway, but I'm not wanted. They're mocked. They think they are, that motley motley bunch up there. I'll tell you who we are. We're children of God. We're saved by grace. We're washed in the blood. We're trusting in Christ alone. That's who we are. We're nothing in the sense. But we're children of the king. Despised and despised his words and misused his prophets until the wrath of the Lord rose against his people till there was no remedy. The rejection of truth. That's what I wrote. The rejection of truth, the rejection of the gospel due to the apostasy of national religion. Aren't you glad you're not part of national religion? But we're in full relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. 
John Calvin once said, when God wants to judge a nation, he gives them wicked rulers. So maybe if you look at our rulers, look at them, Westminster, look what's coming out of it. Look the laws that they're making. The abortion of the baby in the womb. Think about these things. John Calvin was right. When God's going to judge you, he'll give you a wicked ruler. We have murders in government. I don't care what side they're from, I would never have voted for a murderer. I wouldn't have voted for a while. There was a loyalist grouping who were linked to it. I wouldn't have voted for them. Because they've murdered people. Blood in their hands, unrepentant. Have them running our government. National blessings and security and prosperity is a wonderful thing. I close with this. It's a wonderful thing to have an amazing way to live and to spend our lives. That's how we could be living blessed in a blessed nation. But personal salvation in Christ alone is the greatest blessing anyone can ever have in spite of how the nation's going to hell in a handcart. Security in Christ alone and prosperity of the soul is the most blessed assurance to know being saved and secure and sealed and sanctified and satisfied in Christ. Jesus is the ultimate experience to encounter. Having forgiveness of sins, being washed in his blood by faith and knowing that you are Christ is of the utmost importance and the need of the moment and of the hour. Can I ask you something tonight as we close this? Are you saved? Christ came into a world like this to save a wretch like me. He came and he shed his precious blood and he paid the fullness of your debt and mine. Cried, it is finished. And if Ken Davidson believes in him, he will not perish of everlasting life. The signs are in our nation that God is judging our land, judging our people, judging our nation. And I don't believe we're anywhere near the end of it yet. I believe it's only beginning. Church, let's stay sanctified. Let's stay separate. Let's stay apart. And let's adhere to the word of God. No matter what. Keep going on. Don't you be afraid. Be afraid of work colleagues. Don't be afraid of your neighbors, your family. Don't you be afraid of any. This Bible, this word of God is absolute truth. And it's this in your heart and in your life that will take you to glory. But the word and the laws of man, the Lord says, and there's no man can save you. That is, except for Christ himself. God bless you tonight. A bit longer Lord, tonight, but I'm sure you'll forgive me, won't you? Forgive me. The Lord bless you. Team, would you just come up, please? We're going to sing.